You've been listening to the podcast, the new author, Uncle Michon, I'm Nacho Black from Louisville, Kentucky. This conversation, the family, you're my family. Hello, everybody. This is Uncle Michon coming from Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome back to the conversation, the family. I want to ask you. I think the younger generation, those born after 1960, the generation actually, I think the dominant European culture, I think the men and the women are ready. He embraced my thoughts and the things that I was talking about, racism. What do you think? You think the younger generation of those who identify themselves as white, you think they're open to have this conversation more so than it was when we was coming up? Most definitely, because what you have is you have a movement of, of return to nostalgia, all right, where people want to go back to the 1940s and 50s um, and live that type of life. The truth of the matter is that wasn't a good life for everybody, okay? It was only a good life for a few people. Those right. younger people, the younger people don't know that life. They know what they've grown up with. And I think it begins, this conversation kind of gets exhausting when we talk about strife among peoples. I think everybody has a sentiment of why can't everybody just get along? And I think the younger generation really is wants to get along. Okay, so they want to figure it out. They want to see what's going on. They don't want to be the brunt of blames of, or the cause of anybody's problems or take on the burdens of, of the past. Yeah, I do believe that the younger generation, I do believe the younger generation is more open to the strife and the struggles of our people and what that actually means. Yeah, I was on a podcast <laughs> yesterday and both of the, the gentleman, Eric and Larry, uh, both of them were younger than me. They were both of European descent. And they were so taken back, Dad. They were so taken back of my honesty about the issues that we were facing. And I had to encourage them because they was like, I would say, they was a little hesitant. And I had to encourage them to cut. I don't want you to be afraid. I said, I'm not the angry black man, Dad. I'm not that guy, okay? Let's dig in. And once I got them feeling comfortable about talking about the issues and the things that they say, they were really receptive to the idea that, Dad, you didn't have the opportunity growing up with the times when you were coming in, having these real... When I grew, yeah, you had your bathrooms that were marked with black only. You had to go to the back to get into a restaurant. You couldn't go into this restaurant to eat unless you went to the back. And all this police-type problems and all these things are very prevalent during my time, but it's not as prevalent now. I think we need more elders surfacing in regards to somewhat help our younger generation to to grow and not have this sense of unconcern. On the show that I was on yesterday, the guys was talking about, they came up in the 90s, okay? And they came up doing, and the guy brought up uh, NAA, 
NAA, okay? And they talked about all that history. And I told them, I said, I'm 62 years old. I really didn't embrace that type of music. I didn't really want the N-word being used in the manner that it was being used because it was not something that I thought was appropriate. The generation that was coming up in the eight, late 80s and the 90s and everything, they embraced the N-word. And, everything. and it, these, these two European men, they were like saying, yeah, that was their word. That hip-hop culture, that rap culture, I believe was a necessary phenomena that needed to occur with the absence because that was the first time that we had young men feeling that they could express themselves in the manner, even though they didn't have the guidance of a father or the fathers in the home. When you look at the evolution of music in America, all right, in art forms, we, and I say we as descendants of slaves, have always played a role in all of the music in America, all right? When, from ragtime to gospel to swing to hip hop to, to, it was young people in urban America, okay? Young black people in urban America that were able to sing about the things that happened within our culture. And within our culture, the N word was pervasive, okay? So you have to think about it is, and I can say, in the, I can use this as an example. The first person to ever called me the N-word was not a white person. It was people in my own family. And I use it as, it, it, but it was used in two ways. It was used as a term of endearment and an insult. That's how hip hop came across to young white America. This is something different, cool. So it's no different than when James Brown, you, you can see old footages on YouTube of James Brown with, with entire white audiences and he's dancing right. and everybody's along with him. So it's the same thing with Ray Charles. There is no way to make this word into a good word. People have tried, they broke it down into to, 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 to syllables and anagrams and right. yet and still it is part of our culture. And it's part of a culture that we have to address and say, hey, listen, we got to stop calling each other that because that's not a good thing. All right. It's better to call ourselves brother and sister than to call ourselves the N-word. See, when I get, like I said, it's within other cultures. It's funny, fellas, when I was on the, when I was doing this show yesterday and because the guy specifically asked me, he said, so me, Sean. What do you mean I'm not your Negro, I'm not your Black, when you say in your in the title of your book? What do you mean by that? And I already knew that he understood what I was meaning and everything, but he didn't want me, he didn't want to say it. So I went ahead and I said, it's a tie-in or a tie-back to James Baldwin. When James Baldwin wrote his book, I'm Not Your Negro, okay? And when you think about what James Baldwin, Baldwin was talking about, he was talking about an era where he realized that living in America, he will always be viewed and seen as the N-word, okay? But when he went across to Europe, he actually specifically talked about how when he went to Europe and all these other countries and everything, he could walk around as equal as everybody. He didn't have to worry about that. But as soon as he crossed back over into America, he was reminded that he was a Negro. And that's not the word he wanted to use. That's what 
And when I said it, they, they looked at it and they sucked their head. They said, we knew it. I just didn't want They was like, I just, I knew that's what you was implying, but I wanted to hear you say it. It was passed on to us from the dominant European culture. And so I believe it's required for us to say back to them, I am not your Negro. I am not your black. I am not your nigga, America. I am an American. I am a citizen. I am a man. I'm a child of God. I'm everything, but I'm not that. No longer moving forward. And the reality is, especially, I'm not black. And I'm saying that I'm not black because look at me. If I went and took a can of black paint, it won't look nothing like me. But I will say that I'm just as American as any American in America. And that's because of the fact that I was born here and raised here and learned everything I'm supposed to learn from here. But now all that other stuff was imposed on me. So it's about time for me to stop saying I'm black or putting any color restraints toward me because that's not me. Everything that we've learned about this country became a part of me at my birth. So do I buy into it like we have bought into or did buy into the thing? Hell, we were calling ourselves niggas in a joking type fashion when we talked to one another. Hey, my nigga. And we thought nothing of it at that particular point. So what we did, we really fed into the names that were given to the negative names that were given to us. And I felt that it's about time that we start saying what we are. I am as American as you are. I was born here just like you were born here. The things you learned, I had to learn. Now, I might not learn as much as you learned because you didn't give me those type of books. However, the fact still lies, I learned your history because I was taught your history. So there's the only history that I know. I can't go back to Africa and become a part of it because I didn't learn from Africa. So I learned American, and that's what I'm calling me. I'm just as American as you. And we don't put those titles behind ourselves any longer. You're downplaying yourself. Because right. if you don't see yourself great, then nobody is going to see you great. And when it all boils down, it damn don't matter no damn way. Because you are what you claim yourself to be. You are as great as you desire to be or as weakened as you desire to be. But the choice either way is yours. Yes. Uh, I'm going to go into the past. When we, just, when we explore this term American in America. Because at one point in time, an American was a white male. That's what an American was a white Amen. male and every and everything within that culture was geared toward the success of white males all right we're fighting what the old definition of an american is and what the new definition of what an american is and that's the exactly. way it's supposed to be it's supposed to be extended to all so you can't just have this exclusive american and when we talk about being american we have to talk about my culture too is American, okay? Right. Pop culture is American. This is where it was born. It was created. So you can't just have this exclusive American. And when we talk about being American, 
we have to talk about my culture too is American. All the music, popular music, Hollywood, all of this kind of stuff started in America. Okay. See, so it's became popular in America. So like I said, is America's the trendsetter of the world. America has to be all different types of people because that's what America's the made up. Latin, American right. Latins, American Asians, yes. This is the land, like I say, where you're supposed to be able to have opportunity to create what in the civil rights movement, it was called uh, create your own self-destiny. That's meritocracy, all right? Where, yes. you know, I am successful based upon my own efforts and merits, okay, that I've done in my work that I put in. And we are the only ones that can free ourselves. And exactly. we would have to develop that mindset within ourselves that it's not a group, it's individual now. You have to find yourself in this life and develop yourself in this life because That's you right. just can't claim the human part of you and leave out the spiritual. Our and greatness is strongly right. dependent upon our spiritual essence and not the American mm -hmm. essence because we didn't learn those things in America. We learned how to have selfish behavior and follow that selfish behavior. But what we have to do now is learn about our spiritual greatness in essence, because in that is our freedom. So right, the thing right, now we have to change is the fact the spiritual me said, I did not give you a spirit of fear, but of love with power so that mm -hmm. we can walk in this life with a sound mind. We have to put forth the efforts necessary to make that happen because we know that going to work for somebody is not going to give me the release that I need in order to have the freedom to do those things as you say that you want to do for yourself. And one of the things that we learn in the Army, okay, is you are a part of something that's much greater, okay? But you have to prepare yourself to be part of that, okay? Everybody to be a part of this great American experiment. Okay, that's the end goal. But what am I doing individually to prepare myself to be a part of this great thing? Okay, am I sitting around feeling sorry for myself? Am I sitting right. around wondering and worrying? Right. What could I be doing? All right. And there's still some barriers that are there. Right. But we have the opportunity and we have to exploit that opportunity. We have to, it is our obligation. All right to take advantage of the opportunities we have because these opportunities that we have didn't come for free, right? They were paid for, okay? They were paid for by Daddy Daniels and those that came before Daddy Daniels, all right, to make sure that we had these opportunities and these chances, all right? So we are obligated to do the best that we can with what we have and so that because those that came before us did not have these opportunities and chances. All right, if you couldn't shoot exactly a weapon, right. you couldn't go to war. All right, you couldn't exactly. defend the Constitution. So you gotta have standards. Say, what is it that I need? I need to do. I, I need to be able to pay my bills. All right, a balance right. of checkbook, or, or I'm the gotta be in a position where I can take advantage of being part of this collective. All right. Now, Leonard, you remember when I started using the word inheritance, right? 
an inheritance. I said, I didn't really like the word reparation because I thought the word reparation was we constantly sit around thinking somebody needed to do something for us and everything. So everybody sitting around thinking that they waiting on this reparation or waiting for it. And so I started realizing that the word indemnity, I become a licensed insurance guy, the word indemnity specifically talks about the idea that something has been done wrong to you, okay? And there's something owed to you and they're in an identity or an identify. Somebody has to pay an identity, okay, to make you whole and make you right. But what I found out, and I'm keeping this thing all the way 100, okay? I believe like my dad and all those who came before us, the inheritance is in the system, people. The inheritance is already here, okay, for us to go after. You hold yourself back from your individual inheritance is already there. From me not sitting around thinking that someone owed me something, but I sought and got my respect when the system wanted to disrespect me based on old ideology point of views and everything. And those ideology point of views came at me and my wife and I, we was able to fight back against it and everything. And I remember talking to my attorneys and I told them, and dad, Leonard, I would just say, when I said the word inheritance, I said, listen, I'm fighting for my inheritance. Do you realize that both of these European men they looked at me, Dad and Leonard, and they understood what I was saying. It was deep. I believe I'm fighting for something much more than just the respect, but I'm fighting for my inheritance. Yeah. Um, and I must I would say they understood, but they can could never fully understand. They knew mm. that something was done wrong because, and I always use the example of my grandfather, right? My grandfather college educated, okay, college, grew up in the time he was college educated, went to Tuskegee University, served in World War II in the Navy, World War II veteran, college educated, but the only jobs he could get was a Pullman Porter, which he was part of that group with A. Philip Randolph that unionized the Pullman Porters, all right, so that he could get more money because they would do stuff, he would move seven, eight, bags of luggage, heavy luggage, trunks, all of this kind of stuff. And mm. they would throw him a nickel, a nickel for a all nickel. of the work that he did. So, yeah. And it was, it was, there was a tipping practice so that, that the train system didn't have to pay these men. They have to pay our men. Okay. Of that day, Ow. a fair work. They just would tip them and you might get a tip. You might not get a tip. You might get a quarter, a nickel, a dime for all of the work that you did. So he was part of that. He went off to the work, fought in World War II. And he's a college-educated man, but they said the only thing you could do is be a cook. So he was a cook in the Navy, okay? Went to World War II, fought. He served on a destroyer, okay? So two things happened after in within that time frame that happened to my grandfather that set the tone for my life, okay? is one, he was denied the GI Bill, all right, when he got out of the Navy. And two, he was denied New Deal by Roosevelt. He was denied, all right? So I'm not denied that because I can build wealth. But here's the thing is my family didn't get the head start 
a lot of families did. Okay. So with that being said, okay, I have to take on my grandfather's burdens. All right. I inherit his burden because he couldn't buy a home. Home ownership was essential for business ownership. All right. Now you got collateral. You have capital that you can use to be able to buy a business or whatever. Okay. So grandpa didn't have to work as a conductor on the train if he didn't want to. See, so like I said, it's these things that I do for him and those like him. All right. Because that is my inheritance. All right. I have. I know that I deserve something much better than what I have, but the only way that I'm going to get it, if I move that puffiness out of me and step out and say, I want this and do those things that are necessary to claim it because they're not going to give it to me. I'm the one that said it's mine. I'm the one that's going to have to get out there and do what's necessary to say no more. I'm going to make this happen for me. Saying it is the easy part. Doing it and giving action to it is the difficult. Yes, you're right. And what we're going to have to do, stop giving strength to the words that come out of our mouth and give strength to the action that's necessary to make it become our reality. And then we ain't got to worry about hey. what nobody else think. Exactly. Because we're exactly. doing what's necessary hey, Mark, for ourselves. We're talking about the idea that now, today, we're living in a period of time that we believe that our men, husbands, and fathers, and uncles can drop their balls the way they need to drop their balls and be the men that they need to be moving forward. Our America started here. I'm from here. This is my America, okay? Don't be trying to send me off somewhere that I don't belong. This is my America right here. And that's the attitude we got to be having moving forward. I'm just letting you know how I feel. And this belongs to me. And I will receive what's mine. And we're, turn, and, we're changing uh, our wording in regards to how we're saying for what we want. Because you're not going to allow anybody to step on your nerve any longer for something you know that you deserve. And, and this is the way, way that we have to speak. And once we say no more, then all that tone, the, am I angry? No, I'm not angry, but I'm speaking to you in regards to what's not going to happen with this. Because I'm not going to let mm. it happen. We about lead by character and not by color. Be the man or woman that you know that you are. Start with you as the individual. Hey, you're part of my family. This is the conversation and your family. Thank you. you see you next week. That's the wrap. You've been listening to the podcast, the new author, Uncle Michon, I'm Not Your Black, from Louisville, Kentucky. This conversation, the family, you're my family.